to the house of the Lord. to get started. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We lift our hearts to you and pray that you'll receive the worship of our hearts. We give you that glory in Jesus' name.
give God a praise right wherever you stand. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We thank you for the opportunity to give you praise. And Lord, now we ask that you speak your servants listen as we prepare to bring the word, God. Lord, we lift our hands and our hearts to worship you this day and pray that you receive our praise in the mighty in the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Give God a hand clap for praying. Somebody give God a hand clap. Praise God. Aren't you just glad to be here today? Somebody give God a praise in the building. We are elated to be here. It's snowing on the outside, but the fire of God is here on the inside, and we are so glad to see all of you, my father's children. We are grateful for all those who helped with the movie night. Um, we had us and, and other churches. Greenfield was here yesterday, and we got to watch. Uh, I can only imagine. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend you see it. For the youth, they got to watch The Prince of Egypt, which I have seen probably about 60 times. My daughter loves that movie so much that I've actually bought that movie. Uh, if you have children, you're, you're dismissed down to the youth church. You just want to take the time to thank all of those who came out to make it a wonderful thing. And also to take, thank Terry and uh, to thank Liz and all those people who are working on planning and scheduling and getting things out. Uh, if you do not know what's going on, there's a very simple way to know what's going on here. If you have a cell phone, everybody, who all has a cell phone? If you have a cell phone, you'll always know what's going on here. Uh, if you could download the Church Center app, and on that Church Center app, you will find Encounter Church, and there is a calendar of events. You can either go to Encounter360.org, and you can see the calendar, and even see the larger calendar, but you'll see all the things that we do. You'll be able to give. You'll be able to do whatever you want through those platforms at Encounter360.org. We want to welcome all of you who are watching online and all those who are in the building today that made it, and any guests, can you guys give them a hand clap? let them know how much we love them. It is such a blessing to be in the house of God one more time. We are in a series, and we don't know how long we'll be in that series. We may be nearing the end of it, but it has been a blessing. Has this series been a blessing to you guys? It really has blessed me, and it has been changing lives and changing mine as well. I, don't, I practice what I preach. What's the name of our sermon series? cycles. God is helping us through the power of his word not to go through the same old cycles. It's, it doesn't do us any good to make New Year's resolutions and then continue the same old habits that we've continued. So we've been getting freedom through the word of God. If you could, we're going to go ahead already into the word today. And if you'll stand for the reading of the word, good to see brother Tim today. Good to see you. Everybody give Tim a hand clap. Tim is a uh, newlywed. We're coming to the book of Psalms, chapter 
could do, guys, if you could come around and you could bring, come around Tim real quick. Tim's house is burned down and they don't, they don't have insurance. It's, it's okay if we're on, on the broadcast, but we're here. Guys, come put your arms around Tim. We're going to pray for him right now, God. We thank you for what you're doing right now, that Tim knows where to come when he needs help. And right now we put our arms around him and we love him right now through this tragedy. He's lost everything, God. He's dealing with all sorts of emotions and all sorts of things. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we show him the love that you show us, God. We show him care and we can show him concern, God, as well as we will show action um, when this service is over. God, we will show action to be able to put our arms around them and to be able to help them. God, we know that you can help, God, and we, this is where we are. We are a family, and one person doesn't hurt unless all hurt. And God, Lord, we give you thanks for that, and we believe it, and we receive it. And we put our arms, our brothers put their arms of love around Tim right now and around his family. And we will be sure, God, to be the hands and feet that you called us to be of Jesus. Uh, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Guys, put your arms around Tim. Put your arms around Tim. Put your arms around Tim. He, he's having a moment. And that's okay, but I've come to tell you something. Tim, you're going to come out of this. You're going to come out of this. That's, we, don't, we don't expect tragedy. Tragedy doesn't ring our doorbell before it comes up. Yes. We can. Can you start that for me? All right. But, uh, Brother, Brother Elazar is going to go start a GoFundMe page for him. This is what we do. We are we're a church of the community, and as we have stepped up before, it's great that we reach out to Nepal. It's great that we reach out to Africa, and we're funding Jalus and other ministries. But sometimes the biggest mission you can do is right in your neighborhood. And we've been saying that we want opportunities to be a blessing in Royal Oak. Right now, Brother Elazar, I'm going to put you in charge of it. He's going to do a GoFundMe page. Give till it hurts, guys. Uh, if you have extra clothes, if you have anything that you can, uh, we're just finding out about it, but we, it doesn't matter. We're not worried about a program. This is where ministry is. This is where we are. Tim, I want you to know we're going to put our arms around you, and we're going to love you. Mm. He was able. Yeah, so whatever you can give. And also, we're going to reach out to some of our sister churches um, to be able to help. Um, and we just want, I'm glad that you came here. That's a wonderful thing to know that when you need help and you need God, you have a place and that's the first place to which you run. That lets you know, that lets you know that there's love here. You can give God a hand clap for that. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Somebody might say, oh my, that wasn't scripted. Well, life is not scripted. Life is not scripted. God has called us to minister to all of those. I remember that Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. And they said, when did you do that to us, Jesus? And he said this, when you've done it to the least of mine, you've also done it unto me. James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way, that faith without works is dead being alone. And I've come to announce to you today, in case you didn't know it, that faith is not dead at Encounter Church. That God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. And that, we're, Tim, we're going to love you and your family, and we're going to love you out of this. And, and we're going to love you through it and help you walk through it. Let's go pray. Let's pray for the word. 
and, and we're going to be uh, go to God in prayer right now. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing even in the midst of tragedy. Uh, God, I know that you're going to work through this and you're going to you're going to be shown glorious through all of these trials and situations. And for that, we give you glory for Father. You said in everything, give thanks for it is your will. So we give thanks for the opportunity to show the, your love that you've given us by being a blessing. And we give you praise and thanks for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Psalms chapter 139 verses 23 through 24. Please be in looking the Encounter Church online page. Uh, Brother Elazar, if you'll get that GoFundMe set up and get that in there, we'll start. And guys, do me a favor. I know everybody's not big in the technology and we have some people that are not here and some people watching online. When you see the GoFundMe, uh, share it on your page. Get the algorithms up. Get it out there. Let people know uh, that they have an opportunity to be a blessing. Psalms chapter 1. 39 verses 23 through 24. You guys ready for the word? Amen. 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 We only have a couple of verses today to read and we'll read them together. What does it say? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. From this scripture, other related scriptures in aid of the Holy Spirit as another installment of our cycle series. I want to talk to you from this, ser this thought this morning. In God, we trust. In God, we trust. Have a seat. You may be seated in the presence of God. If this is your first time, you're so welcome and we're glad to have you. Welcome home. It's been said, brothers and sisters, oftentimes, have you ever been in a room... And uh, you were able to communicate with somebody and you had somebody that you were really close to and you guys kind of had an inside joke or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden your friend said what you were thinking and it wasn't necessarily socially acceptable to say it. And you looked at him like, how could you ever say that? And there's a phrase for that. It's called saying the quiet part out loud. And as many of us know that you're never supposed to say the quiet part out loud. That at least that's what we've been told, that those things that we think to ourselves, they're too controversial or sometimes part of an unspoken rule that we should never say the quiet spot out loud. In other words, there are ways in which we can believe or function, but we refuse to publicly acknowledge. And sometimes the truth of the matter is, it's not just the thoughts that we're hiding from other people, but there are thoughts unto ourselves of which we are unaware. We're thinking to ourselves all the time. We're always moving according to what's in our heart. The Bible says, so as a man thinketh, so is he. So I want them to pull up that blue screen again as we begin to say this one more time. I want to say it until we get it. Uh, and this is something I want you to get down in your heart. Let's say it together. Life is a series of decisions. Our decisions denote our direction. And if not diverted, our decisions will divulge our destiny. In other words, all you have to know to know where you're headed is to see where you're walking. And eventually you will end up at that path. So if you are on a bad path, it will be divulged that you're headed towards disaster. But if God intervenes and he touches your heart and you begin to change, that will denote another destiny. But you can surely see that wherever you are in life, you can count backwards and 
it is a result of a decision that you made. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a result of a decision you made. Well, Pastor, some things happened to me that were out of my control. I didn't ask for these things to happen to me. I'm the victim. That's true. But life is only 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. I, I remember in, there's a poetical book in the Bible, uh, and there's a guy that's by the name of Job, and there were things that were going on beyond Job's control that he could not control. But although things happened in Job's life that he could not control, he lost his house, he lost his family, he lost his income, he lost his socioeconomic uh, economic status, he even lost his health. Anybody would say that Job had a right to be bitter with God. Job had a right to be angry, and as his wife told him to curse God and die, but Job realized something, that if I curse God, it's over for me, I'm going to die, and life is a series of decisions, and right now in the midst of my tragedy, I choose to make a different decision of what I feel. I'm not led by my emotions, I'm led by the concrete word of God that I know God will do it, and God will help me, and if it's happening, it's only because he allowed it, and Job said something that is phenomenal in the midst of his tragedy. He said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away, but still, blessed be the name of God. <laughs> I've come to you to tell you that whether you're in here uh, young or old, wherever you are, you are on the cusp of decisions that will change the rest of your life, and it is up to you to follow the God decisions instead of the good decisions. There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Many of us have had to recover because we've had plenty of good ideas, and we told them to our friends, and they loved us so much that they didn't tell us the truth and say, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and we decided to do those things and ended up in bad situations. Fellas, you called your friends sometime and said, I'm really going to tell what my wife what, how I'm feeling and what's on my mind. And you, one of your buddies said, that's exactly what you need to do. That's a good idea, but that's not a God idea. That's actually a bad idea. That's not what you need to do. And then you have to learn that life is a series of decisions. And where do those decisions come from? Those decisions come from our heart. Have you ever decided that you would get into a, a, a good debate with somebody? Uh, uh, some, some married couples call them an argument, Brother Dave. I don't know if any married couples have ever had any of those. None in this church I know that have had any of those spirited debates. But all of a sudden they say something and it comes out of your mouth that shocks you. And all of a sudden you say, I didn't mean that. Anybody ever done that? Anybody can be honest and say, I didn't mean that. that. I really didn't mean that. Please forgive me. But the truth of the matter is, although we say we didn't mean it, Jesus gives us something. He gives us a principle that is powerful. And you can help me finish it if you've ever heard it. He says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So although we didn't mean for it to come out, and although it may have shocked us, there may be some things in our heart that we haven't dealt with that we're unaware of. Hmm. 
And because they're in our heart and we're unaware of them, we don't deal with them. And they are guiding our direction. They are guiding our choices because life is a series of what? Decisions. And those decisions are in our heart. And all this time in American culture, we've been taught to follow your heart and to live your dreams. But the word of God says this, that the heart is wickedly deceitful and no man can know it, which means you can't even trust your own heart. That's why it's important important to only trust the word of God. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will last forever. The word of God is where you go when you have troubles in your marriage, not to your own heart because your heart will lead you wrong. The word of God is where you go when you have troubles in your life, not your own heart because your heart will lead you wrong. And I submit to you that there are things in your subconscious mind that are in your heart that you are not even aware of. There are things in your heart that when people press the right button or psychologists would call the right trigger, things come out of you that you never know are there. I've been sat in counseling sessions and people thought they were completely all right. And many times I've asked the right question and it triggered something on the inside of them and it couldn't stop the tears from flowing. They had learned to function as normal while they had brokenness on the inside of their heart. You know, you can learn to walk with a limp and you can see that physically, but it's easier psycho psychologically to cover up scars in the heart. Things that have been done to you when you were young that said, they will never treat me this way again. I'll never undergo this abuse again. I'll never let anybody treat me like this. Some of us, our spouses and our significant others are suffering from damage that other people created because we are making them pay for things that other people did to us and said, I will never internal by everybody say internal. Internal vows. Internal vows are the, are the quiet part. They are things that we may not necessarily voice outside of ourselves, but on the inside of ourselves, we say to ourselves, nobody's ever going to treat me like that again. Nobody's ever going to say that to me again. I won't get done this way again. And when people get close to that pain point, we begin to act uh, erratically many times because we don't realize that there's something in our hearts that needs to change. Because whether you know it or not, all of us have a thought life. And it's important to know that if we do not govern our thought life, our thought life will lead us down all sorts of trails. And this is what we need to know. All of us have beliefs the systems that determine our behavior. That's why if you looked at the book of Romans, Paul writes it the way that he does. He's writing to a church in which he's never been. What is he writing? The first 11 chapters he writes about doctrine. Chapters 1 through 11, he, he gets good doctrine. And you know why he does that? Because your belief determines your behavior. If you believe wrong, then you live wrong because you're following the wrong instructions. But after he gets through chapter 11, then he says, now I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, now that you learn how to believe right, now it's time that you learn how to behave right, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He didn't just get into the point of trying to teach you how to live before he taught you what it is that you need to believe because the only way you can be transformed, Paul gave us a clue in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 2. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. I 
how do I renew my mind? I renew my mind by reading the word of God, by listening to the word of God. I renew my mind by prayer and devotion. I, I, I'm constantly bombarded. Do you not know that you would absolutely go insane if all of the signals and thousands and millions of signals that come into your brain would actually come through? Your brain actually blocks out a lot of stuff. Why? Because there's all sorts of stimuli all around you all the time and your brain learns to block out certain things so you can focus on, on certain things. Do you not know that there are all sorts of stimuli in the world that tell you how to live your life, how to handle your marriage, how to handle your kids, how to handle your mo money. And if you don't, even if you don't want it, it pops up on your tweet or on your news feed. It just keeps on coming in in a reel. And before you can get out, they're already playing the song that captures your attention and you're looking at it. They are feeding you information. They are feeding your mind. Everybody say garbage in, garbage, garbage out. I come to tell you that the things that many things in the world, not everything the world has, but many things of the world are garbage in. And as we put those things in our life, they don't go without consequence. They are seeded and they are creating belief systems. They are creating thought patterns. They're creating things like a frog in the water. It was in the 20s or whenever TV first started that you couldn't even show a woman's ankle. But they slowly began to change the dial. And they slowly begin to show you what was more and more acceptable. And now we're to the point where you can see just about everything. Why? Because we're like a frog in water. And what they keep flashing to us tells us what we are find acceptable. And it governs our belief systems. And whether you know it or not, it governs our behavior. So you have to have something that combats that. If not, your life will get you into trouble. There are many people that are in trouble that didn't mean to get in trouble, but there were some issues on the inside of their heart that they, they didn't deal with. And in their thought life, they were having thoughts that weren't loud, but they were quiet and governing our, their lives and decisions. And Paul lets us know that regeneration is the only way that that can happen. You have to be renewed in Christ. The Bible said, be renewed in the attitude of your mind or the spirit of your mind. You have to let Christ change your heart. You have to let Christ change your mind because it is only what you do for Christ that will last. But the problem is this, that often we operate and make decisions that are sparked by thoughts of which we are unaware. Have you ever heard something come out of your mouth? I know you have. And you said, oh, where did that come from? It came from on the inside of here. Somewhere along the line, it had been planted. Somewhere along the line, we may not have dealt with certain things. And they sit in our heart. The heart, what the Bible calls the heart, is seated in the mind, the will, and the emotions. We also call it the soul. And when we don't deal with those things, you can quickly say, I didn't mean that. But you have to realize something. The Bible tells us from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, the, everybody said the mouth releases what the heart stores. I come from down south in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, they didn't always use good grandma. And my grandma would say this, baby, what's in you going to come out you? You can try to play the games and you can try to play the part and you can look nice and you can look cute. But eventually, whatever is in you, it's going 
to come out of you. Our beliefs determine our behaviors, and our behaviors are ultimately a byproduct of our decisions, and our decisions determine our direction, and if not diverted, those decisions will denote our, de our destiny. Therefore, if I want to understand my decision-making, I need to interrogate my own thoughts. I need to put my thoughts on trial. I need to put my thoughts on the stand. I need to begin to listen to those thought processes. And when I listen and I talk, begin to listen to myself and say, and we've all done that. You ever had, had a skirmish or something and you get in the car and you think about all the stuff you said and what you should have said to make it a little bit juicier so you probably could have won that spirited debate, we'll call it. If that We're reviewing our thoughts. And what God wants us to do is to review our thoughts because if we don't, we will get in a conundrum in which we are not able to get out of and too deep without the love and the help of God. And we see this even in Adam and Eve from the very first humans in creation because they begin to be told God, they didn't have anybody else to tell them what to think. They allowed God to download on them what was right. God told them where to go, what to eat, what to do, how to behave, and all the things that they needed to do. But all all of a sudden, they got a new friend on their page and they accepted the call. <laughs> and that friend began to put some things on their timeline and say, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of fruit and, uh, of good and evil? And they said, no, that's not what he said. He said we could eat of every other tree, but we couldn't eat of this one. And he said, he didn't say we would die. And they got into this conversation. And as he began to talk to them, they gave him access to their thoughts. Because as you converse with people, you give them access to your thoughts because that's what communication is, whether you know it or not. I have a thought inside of my head that I want to communicate to you. Therefore, I find the words that I have in my vocabulary. I put that thought on the wings of a word. I let those words come out of my mouth and you hear audibly what I say and you receive those thoughts inside of your mind and your spirit, whether you want to or not. You can't unhear it. You ever had a song you don't like, but you can't unhear the song when people start playing them? You have to be careful what you are letting come into your eye gate, into your ear gate. The Bible in Proverbs says, guard your heart or your mind with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Another translation said the better. It determines the course of your life. You are what you eat. You are what you mentally consume into your spirit, into your heart. Whatever you consume is what you will become. You are not a static creature. You are a dynamic creature, which means that you are constantly moving. And either you are progressing or you are regressing. You are going forward or you're going backwards. So you can't just say, I read enough Bible and I'm done. I've done enough praying and I'm done. Every day you have to get into a habit of reading the word. Every day you have to get into a habit of getting better, not to prove to church people that you love. God, but to b continue to grow in the faith until we all reach unity in the body, Paul would say. And th they begin to get into this question with God, Brother Dave, uh, is because God realizes what they did. And they said, the Bible said they heard God walking in the cool of the garden because they let somebody else in their mind and in their hearts and it affected their decisions. And they chose and decided to do what God told them not to do. And when they heard God coming, they ran. <laughs> Anybody else have to have to run sometimes or try to hide when, when God shows up? 
As a preacher, I know that all too well because I show up places and people are doing this or doing that. And when you show up, they start doing this like, like this and this. That's going to help them like God see you. You don't have to change and hide for me. I, I just want you to know there's somebody who's got vision better than Superman, and he sees everything. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth. You're not hiding from God while you're hiding from me. And if God wants me to know, you're still not hiding from me. God can do whatever he wants to do. But he comes out and he's calling Adam and Adam is not responding. And I'm going to put it in my words. Adam, where are you? Everybody say, where are, where are you? What he is saying is, why did you not come when I call? Why did you not respond to my voices? I, and this is something God is asking us today. Where are you? I'm constantly giving you my word, but you don't seem to be responding to what I'm saying to you. And then Adam says something that's very te telling. He says, I heard you, God, but I did not respond because I was naked and I was in a place of shame that produced by belief that determined my behavior. So I hid my Myself. My behavior has put me in a place of shame. And then God asks a simple question that is simple but piercing and something that we need to ask ourselves just like a shot heard around the world. He says, who told you you were naked? Where did you get that from? Because I didn't give it to you. In other words, what were you thinking? The enemy had gained access to their thoughts. If you're stuck in a rut today into which you cannot seem to break free, I submit to you that it's time to evaluate those quiet thoughts that are in your heart. I want to ask you some questions this morning. It's quite a few questions, but these are the questions God put on my heart. So I know it's for somebody either in the building or online. I want to ask you a question. Not who told you you were naked, but who told you that you couldn't be faithful? Who told you? And if you think I'm picking on you, this is written down. I, this is already written down. I didn't know who was coming to church today. But who told you that you couldn't be faithful? Who told you that marriage doesn't work? Who told you that you can't make a relationship work? Who told you that you would always be a drug addict? Who told you that you would need to abuse alcohol and drugs to numb the pain and cover the sadness deep down inside? Who told you that you could never get ahead? Who told you that you you couldn't be debt free. Who told you that you can't live a holy life? God couldn't. Who told you that God couldn't love someone like you? Who told you that you can't beat addiction? Who told you that you can't overcome depression? Who told you that you can't defeat pornography? Who told you that you married the wrong person? Who told you that this is as good as it gets and there's no need to hope for more? Who told you that you can't put your life back together again? Who told you that you can only go so far in life without messing up like you always have? Who told you that God wasn't for you? Who told you that church isn't for people like you? Who told you that you couldn't take responsibility for your life and make better decisions? Who told you that you couldn't regain your health and change your habits and stop smoking and stop eating too much and stop treating your body bad? Who told you that you're a bad person because of what some wicked person did to you when you were little in the dark and now you have to be promiscuous who told you that this is as good as it gets for you who told you that you couldn't grow spiritually 
Who told you that you were naked? Where did all the stones come from? Victor, where did those stones come from? Pastor Ernie, where did you get those stones? Mario, where did you get that from? Sierra, who told you that it was over for you? See, if we give the enemy access to our heart, that's why it's important for us to come as much as we can to get the word of God. It's good to do your personal devotions and it's good to do your Bible reading. But I found something that we do. If we have a problem with lying, we read all of everything else and we read it and we say, that's good, Lord, tell them. But when we get to the part of the line, somehow we just skip right over it, don't we? And sometimes we have to have somebody to read our mail, to implant some better thoughts in our heart. And I ask you a question today. Who told you you were naked? Why are you not trusting in God? Adam and Eve believed the serpent because they lost trust in the word of their creator. And because they lost trust in God and they gained trust in another voice, they allowed those thought patterns to let them make destructive decisions. That's why Proverbs 4 and 23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence from for, it, for, for from it flow the springs of life. And this is something you have to think about. You have to take the time to think about what you're thinking about. I'll say that again because that confused somebody. You have to take the time to think about what you are thinking about. That's why in this Psalm of Psalm 139, as he talks about the omnipresence of God and the omnipower of God and his enemies on his heels, he says something and it's very powerful. He, he knows God knows where he is, but David says in Psalms 139, he says, I need to think about what I'm thinking about. So search me and know me, oh God. I have to access and weigh my thoughts. I have to entrust myself to God. Why are you here this morning? You're here this morning because you believe that there is a God, the father, and that that God loves you more than anything. And that he sent his son to die for you. And you are here because you are entrusting your life to him. You are here because you're not trusting in me, but you're trusting in how good he is that he will speak to me, even as imperfect as I am to give you something that would help you better the life that you are living because the good father gives good gifts to his children and sometimes it's painful when he takes them away but he takes them away because he wants the best for us David is doing one of my three E's the first three I use these in alliteration so you'll keep it up everybody say expose expose <laughs> I've got to expose some things <laughs> I've got to be honest with myself and say yeah I lie a lot. That makes me a liar. I'm saved, but I need to work on that. What, what's in my heart that makes me do that? Am I like Abraham? Abraham used to lie when he got under pressure, Brother Dave. When he got under pressure and he thought his life was on the line, he started lying. And because he didn't deal with that, that generational cycle flew through to his children and they began to do the same thing. 
I don't want my children to have to battle my demons. So that's why I need to fix it right now before they get out of my house so I can live a life in front of them that teaches them because children don't do what you say. They do what you do. So I have to expose some things. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with that because we like to be covered up. Nobody likes to be exposed. That's why Adam and Eve went out when they realized what was going on and they covered themselves because nobody likes to be exposed. But I submit to you, if you're ever going to grow and live the life that God wants you to live, you got to let yourself be exposed before God. In other words, there is no place in my heart, God, that is hidden from you. If it's in me, take it out. Search me and Know me, oh God. And know my anxious thoughts. Not only do I have to entrust, but I have to expose and assess and weigh my thoughts. He says, search me. That word in the Hebrew is kalkar. It means to search or to probe or to see through. Some of us need God to see through some of the smoke screens that we're putting up to fool other people. But we're and ourselves and we need to go beyond the surface. I need my quiet thoughts examined. Because the worst enemy I have is the one that's in me. Can we be honest that sometimes we're the person that's getting in our way? And until we deal with that, we'll keep going through. Thank you, media team. Until we deal with that, we'll keep going through the same old cycle. So we have to say, search me and know me. That word no means this. He says, no, my anxious thoughts, yada, my anxious thoughts to bring forth. I like what he says. One translation said, no, my disquieting thoughts, the things that keep me up at night. The things that keep me doing bad things with bad people. Because I believe that's all I'm worth. The things that say you'll never amount to anything and you'll never be anyone and that God couldn't love anybody who had made his mistakes for you. But I've come to tell you that if you're in the world and you're here, God loves you. You know why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe. Somebody say, I'm a whoever. <laughs> The enemy might not say you need it, but he said, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. There is life available to you and not just regular life. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said it's abundant life. That word means to the full till it overflow that God can give you things that money can't buy. It's good to have money in a house and a roof over your head. But what you need is the peace of God because the peace of God will help you. I might not have a roof, but it's still well with my soul. There was a, a writer many years ago and he got a message that his family had gone over over the sea and there was a tragic accident. And in that tragic accident, he got a message back that his family, his entire family had died at sea. And you would think that he would lose all of his mind and that he was in an unwealthy place. But I see that he had a healthy thought life, that he had been in prayer and he had been reading the word. You know why, Stacey? Because he sat down <laughs> and he penned these words, when peace like a river <laughs> attendeth my way. 
and sorrow like sea billows rose. Whatever my life, whatever's happening to me, thou hast taught me to say that it is well, it is well with my soul. That my mind has peace that passes. I don't understand it. Because if my family has Jesus and I lost my family, I didn't really lose them. Because if Jesus has them, I'll see them again. If I lost everything and didn't have anything but still had Jesus, I still have everything. I'll say it again for somebody who needs to hear that. If I've lost everything and I did not have anything, but I still had Jesus, I still have everything. I have everything that I need. I've got peace that passes all understanding. I've got joy that is unspeakable. That no matter what life throws at me, it is well with my soul. But I have to choose not to listen to the outside voices and not even the ones that are inside of my own head. I've got to learn to say, not in my thoughts I trust, not in my friends I trust, but in God I trust. Search me and know me, O oh God. Test my disquieting or my anxious thoughts. And the third thing is this. Not only do you have to entrust, everybody said, entrust. entrust. You have to entrust your life to God and allow him to search you. Then you've got to be exposed. Everybody say exposed. That doesn't mean tell everybody your business, but don't hold anything back from God and be honest with yourself about what's going on in your life so that God can heal you in the places that need to be healed. But then you have to extract or extricate. Pastor, what does that word mean? It means to pull it out. He says, and see if there be any offensive way in me and take it out. Lead me in the way everlasting. Pastor, I can't control my thoughts. Well, a prominent theologian said it this way. I cannot control the birds that are flying over my head. But I can stop them from making a nest in my head. You can't stop the thought from coming. But you can stop it from staying. Tim, the enemy wants to whisper to you. You've lost everything and, and it's over for you. That's what I'm saying. That the word of the Lord says this. I've taken care of you all of these years. And I've continued to keep taking care of you all the days of your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. God is able. He wants you to know God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask or think. According to the power that works on the inside of us. I've come to tell you this morning morning you may have only had enough strength to walk in this door your marriage may be on the ledge your life may be turmoiled and people think it looks good on the outside but you're crumbling on the inside but I've come to tell you you've made it to the hospital and help is on the way how do I get that help, Pastor? You look at the Psalms that they used to sing when they went up to Jerusalem. You know what they would say, Pastor Day? They would say, I will lift mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. 
But pastor, you don't know. These thoughts are so much in my mind, I can't get sleep at night worrying about the outcomes, worrying about I, 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 I hate Sundays. And the reason I hate Sundays is because Monday comes right after it. And pastor, they're working me. I know I'm living a holy life because they're working the devil out of me. And I, I'm tired, pastor. What do I do? How do I do that? I can't get any sleep. He says, listen to my word. He that watches over Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. I'm already up. I got it. Baby, go to bed. Go to bed and rest. Trust me. Expose your fears. And then extract that thought process from out of your life. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. And we're ready, almost ready to go. It says this. I didn't tell them this scripture. But 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We cast down every thought and every high thing and every vain imagination which exalted itself against the knowledge of God and we bring into captivity every thought into obedience into Christ. So they got it. They put it on the screen. Let's read it together. What does it say? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He's saying I'm exposing some things in my life. And when I leave here from now on, I'm going to think about what I'm thinking about. And I'm going to give it to God. So I have a question this morning. It's similar to Capital One. But it's not what's in your wallet. It's what's on your mind. What's in your heart? What's governing your decision making? Because wherever you are, wherever your relationships or your marriage sits, it's nobody else's fault. What have you done to get to this point? And what will you give to God so you don't keep making the same old mistakes? He needs and wants better for you. It's time to say the quiet part out loud <clears throat> it's time to come to the altar and say Lord I've been trying to pretend like I'm okay and I have it all together but I'm not okay and I refuse to come <clears throat> I'm in this place how crazy would it be for me to need penicillin to save my life and walk in a hospital that had penicillin every week and walk back out and not take it and I die because I refuse to take what I had access to. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, but it didn't finish there. It said, but oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain. We bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. If you're thinking about what you've been thinking about right now and you're ready for God to heal you, pull up Psalms 139. I'm going to leave it on the screens for a second. And as they begin to play soft music, I'm going to let you come to this altar. I have an altar team come up. If you feel comfortable, you can come up to the altar team and they'll pray for you. If not, you can pray where you are. Or you can come to these altars if you need it. These altars are waiting for you. 
it's Tim's day today, but it may be your day tomorrow. This altar is open for you. Altar team, Pastor Ernie. Stacy. If you're ready to do something different in your life, this altar is open for you. He wants to do a healing in your life. I just ask a simple question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? How is the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your mind? If you're still not comfortable coming forth, you can just lift your hand to your heart and say, Lord, I have something that I need to give to you. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be, verse 24, any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As they finish the feed and we play soft music going, wherever you are, I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll be able to dismiss as these brothers come around, Tim. This is, a, this is an extreme circumstance. Tim needs the peace of God in his life. I'm not really concerned about how it looks to people. I just want him to get what he needs. His house is burned down. But his God is able to supply. Where you are, if you can lift your hands. God, I thank you for what's happening here. And I thank you for the prayer that's going forth in this place. And I pray that this word will sit down in the hearts of all of us. That it will help us, Lord God, to draw closer to you. That it will call inner, cause inner healing and inner peace in our life, God. That we'll finally be able to deal with some of those things that we've been ignoring, those voices in our thoughts, in our heart, in our mind, that we just try to pretend that they're not there and just make sure we don't say the quiet part out loud God we stop that today today we say the quiet part out loud not to people but to you we admit what's going on in our life and we give it to you we submit to you that real change will come in our life we're not seeking dry dead religion we want an impacting an impacting an ever present life changing experience with you we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your grace that's able to change and that's able to cover. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your working in this place. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I feel shackles coming out and people being released and giving things to you. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for healing me with your word as well. I thank you, God, that even the words you give me to speak, it is life and it blesses me, God, and it helps me, God. I thank you for that. And I pray that as we leave this week until we get back to Wednesday night service and Wednesday night prayer, God, that you keep us this week and keep before us those thoughts that are not like you so that we can cast them down according to 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 and that we can change those thoughts and fill them with your word about what you say about us and what you say about our situation, God. I pray that your people will be free, that you will set them free for those who the Son says that's free are free indeed we thank you for it and we give you praise in the name of Jesus we pray 
Amen.